Welcome, welcome, welcome. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with we. My name is EJ, and I got my man. MH. Is the DB of the show, and we are Black in Sports, giving a voice to the culture that won't shut up and dribble. Here interviewing the best professionals in the game and in the boardroom, covering it all, laughing at it all, while providing a platform to be heard. So, you know, it's been a while. We've been doing a lot of locker rooms, man, so we're getting back to our interviews, man. So without further ado, man, you know, we got to welcome our guests. So don't wait create generational impact today <laughs> hey this is a tagline from our two-time author podcaster coach speaker and you know what he is helping others to rise to win all right so he is player development right you know just just period he is player development please 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 clap it up for edward jones the second number two <laughs> thank you big yes number two yeah so uh, I'm a second as well, man. So I definitely understand making sure we get that moniker in there. So, Ed, how we like to start the show, it's imperative, man. It's just if you could give us a shoot your shot moment, all right? So this is where, um, you know, you could have shot your shot any time in life. It could have been high school days, college days. It could have been as recent, you know, as a week ago or, you know, today. But just give us a quick shoot your shot moment, win or loss. Yeah, I'll shoot your shot. I actually talked about it uh, in a podcast. I put it on LinkedIn, but... I was in a coffee shop and Bo Porter was the manager of the Astros at the time. Bo Porter was a black, black man, black manager, Astros. And I just said, you know, I, I saw him like, oh, snap, that's that's Bo Porter. And I'm sitting there and I'm with my homegirl from my high school. And I'm like, she's like, go ask me a question. I'm like, no, nah, I ain't going to ask him a question. He a manager. He busy just coming in to get coffee and get out. Man, that was the longest cup of Joe ever. So I finally went up to him. I was like, hey, coach, I, it's hard for me not to call a baseball manager coach because playing football. But I was like, Mr. Porter. Um, what's one thing that I, at the time I wanted to be a head coach. So what's one thing you can tell me as a head coach? He looked me dead in my eyes, like, take my number down, meet me here next week. I was like, Oh snap. That's so got to, got to meet him. He invited me to uh, a lot of different um, parties and just functions with his, with, with his people, his close people. The crazy thing about that, as much as I shot my shot with him in person, I never, ever shot my shot. For tickets to the game, never. I was, <laughs> I was the scariest thing. I like, I literally would type, "Hey, uh, I mean, I know it's the day of, or you got a game tomorrow. Can I get?" And I always deleted it, even though I shot my shot to meet him. I never shot my shot to get tickets. I don't know if he knows that, but it's like one of the like, man, who knows how many people I've met. He's he's the guy. He's the manager of the Strolls, and I never never asked for tickets. So a, he don't know now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Man, that art of the one question. I know I listened to a couple of your pods, man. So you you talked about that, and that's that's amazing how how much info you just got from that one question. How strategic it was. That's 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 dope. Where did your love for sports start? When I was young, uh, grew up in a family. Uh, it was five five of us brothers and sisters. My dad was a basketball player. My mom ran track, and then just in the neighborhood I grew up in. We didn't have video games, so my biggest thing was running down. If you can't believe it or not, I was the fastest kid in the neighborhood for a while until I found out about video games. We just run up and down the street, and then at school we had a basketball park. The pool was around the corner, the swing set, just everything, baseball cage, everything was around the corner at the local elementary school. And so we that's just, I mean, that's what we did. Our parents had us in that. And I just, 
I fell in love with the games, but I just fell in love with like the I when I watch games, I'll watch the sidelines, I'll watch the temperament of the refs. I, I knew when fights were gonna break out. I always like that, all all that kind of just got me. But I fell in love with the numbers of it too. It got to a point where my dad would bring me in. He'd be like, hey, come here, come here, come here. How many assists did Michael Jordan have in 1988? I'd be like, he had 3.5 assists. He went up to about 4.6 the next season. And then, like, I just knew everything. They called me the walking basketball card. But I just fell in love with sports because it was just so much, so many pieces made one thing go right. You know, you couldn't just do it by yourself. And growing up in a family of five, it was kind of the same thing I grew up in. For us to have fun, we all had to do it together. And so sports kind of reminded me of growing up. So really quick, did you know, since you said you look at the um, kind of like the view of the players, you, did you know the Malice in the Palace was going to happen? <laughs> so crazy story. For some reason, they say it was 2004, but I, it was my freshman year. And I literally got from dinner, eating dinner or something. I turn on TV and I'm like, man, I'm watching it. And I'm like, man, it's kind of, it's a little heated. Like, you know, it's just a different heat. That shove from Ben Wallace was like a shove shove. So I'm like, I'm <laughs> I mean, that was a that was an old school Rick Mahorn, you know, Charles Oakley, first three years shove, you know. Back to the bad boy days type. Street, right? Street Fighter, that Ryu. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it was just, it was too peaceful after that shove. It was too peaceful. Gotcha. And I remember, like, him going, like, once I saw the cup, I watched a lot. I was like, oh, snap. Like, I, I knew, like, I didn't see what made it happen, but I was like, something had to happen because it was too calm. And that was, I remember thinking to myself, like, whoa, that just happened. And then seeing old buddy get slid on the court by Jermaine O'Neal when he walked up on Jermaine O'Neal. I was like, man, what was he thinking, man? This dude got a, you took my guys with like eight foot uh, wingspans, man. Like, they could, they could hit you and be on the other side of the room, man. So, yeah, it was, it was kind of crazy seeing that happen. That was definitely one of those, like, uh, you remember where you were when that happened? Oh, yeah. Moments. I was in the dorm room the same time. It was yeah. my freshman year. Like, yo, is this really going on? Yeah, it yeah. was like I remember sitting there like, nah, this can't be like, because you know they had come uh, some of the like reality TV. I'm like, nah, this is like this game is live. Like, this is <laughs> this is happening. Like, you know, yeah, it nah, was crazy. Sure. So, so was it basketball initially that you kind of like yeah. gravitated to, or was it football, or what, what was the number one sport? It was basketball. I, I love basketball at the time. Right when I started loving basketball, the Rockets won the first of the two championships. I just remember my parents screaming in the living room. I was back there playing with uh, toys. I remember them screaming, we did it, we did it, we did it. And, like, I'm like, what happened? My dad was like, the Rockets won the championship. We're the best. Like, you know, and then the next year, I just, like, dove into, like, basketball. My dad was, like, he used to get mad at me about it. I always watch ESPN Classic. That was my favorite channel. But he had all these old school magazines. I would just read them. Like, I just memorized. So, like, any trivia from, like, 1940s NBA to, like, to 90, I just know. Like, for people be like, Rochester, I was driving to uh, uh, Rochester one time. And, like, this Uber driver, I was like, yeah, y'all had the Rochester, you know, Royal. Like, he's like, wait, you knew about it? I was like, yeah. So, anyway, uh, that's when it grew. And then, like, uh, I started hooping. I was really good. But I started getting bigger than people. My first experience with football was my brother – He's seven years older. He gave me some pads, and we were in the, the, the front yard. He was like, hey, man, go run. And I remember running and just hearing this wind. And I was like, where did this wind? Like, you know, like, I didn't realize the wind was coming in the helmet. And while I'm sitting there trying to figure out where this sound is coming from, this dude lit me up. And I was like, nah, nah, this ain't, this ain't for me. So I stuck with basketball. But then my best friend in sixth grade, his dad was a, a local coach on the, a little league team. And I went to play basketball. And it was just easy to me. It was, they were just like, go tackle that person. And I was like, okay. <laughs> just like tackling the guys, I didn't know nothing about like team. That one, 
Huh? That one-on-one drill, that one-on-one drill is going to take a lot of people, uh, push them back into basketball. Yeah. Look, I almost, okay, so I almost went back because they messed it up. I was bigger than, I didn't realize I was bigger than, than most kids. She just don't know until you look at a picture like, dang, I was bigger than people. And uh, they put me with a kid who's, man, when he hit me, that's like still to this day, the hard, one of the hardest hits I ever take. I felt like I got hit by a truck. And then we went again and he hit me again. And like for a week, his face mask was like, he had a metal face mask. It was literally on my arm like I had a tattoo. And find out his dad played in the NFL. I was like, man, why this dude so strong and flexible? I was like, ah, genetics. That's when you find out about genetics. And as time went on, they always made me go against him because we ended up being the two best players. And I finally got up to his level once I saw other teams. I said, man, other teams hitting him like this, and we all scared of him. He must not be all that. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, that first – I almost walked away, but I, I'm glad I stuck with it. But I, I, one of the regrets is I wish I would have stuck with basketball. My sister – she was a like a legit elite basketball player. Uh, she had like 25 some scholarships her junior year. She always told me, she's like, why didn't you play basketball? I was just like, I woke up late for the basketball trial, seventh grade, and I was like, man, I'm not, I don't feel like running. I know if I walk in there, they're gonna make me run and I don't want to do it. So it was basketball, then it went to football. Two tall Jones. I mean, in yeah. Texas, I know, I know somebody referred to it. How many of those references did you get? It's on my letterman jacket. And every time I every time I say Ed Jones, it, it being it being in Texas is too easy. Too tall Jones, and I'm like <laughs> six two. People don't realize he's like six nine. I'm six two, and they'll be like, "Yeah, people just like too tall." I'm just like, so I stuck with it. I wasn't no, I, I wasn't no shape, right? I couldn't run away from it. So I saw my Letterman jacket actually. So yeah. So you got that, and then I mean, what's the other moniker, man? I mean, you type Edward Jones in, man. I think you're gonna help me with some some, some financial savings, yeah. so, loan categories, and some shit like that. <laughs> that's the that's the other one, right? So I worked for when I worked at Kansas. Our AD uh, Jeff Long, he would always say, "And for finances, Ed Jones, Edward Jones, gonna take care of it." Like a lot of people, you know, whenever I write down Ed Jones, they kind of look like. You know, it was just like, I'm like, trust me, y'all, I wouldn't be here if I had the money. Funny thing about that, it was coming out of my senior year, I went to the Edward Jones uh, career booth, and they were like, hi, we're Edward Jones. I was like, hi, I'm Edward Jones. And they're like, no, we're Edward Jones. I was like, no, I'm Edward Jones. Who's on so first? they wanted to connect. Yeah, yeah. So it was, uh, I get that. Those two, I get a lot. Ed Jones. The one I don't like, I hear a lot, and parents do it, is they're like, Mr. Ed. I'm like, nah, don't just call me. Nah. Oh, yeah, just call me Ed. I'm good. Like, don't <laughs> call me Mr. Jones. Mr. Ed is just, and I had like my teeth were this size literally since like third grade. So it was too easy. Like, people were like, yeah. So I just, well, that's the one I'm like, that's the one I'm like, bro, y'all can't, I can't, I, I can't, I do not like that. And I will tell people, like, don't, don't call me that, please. So, yeah. so if you didn't pick up, you were, you were Houston representative. All right, oh, yeah. so we kind of yeah. talked about, you know, we haven't really delved in, but you were born in Houston and mm -hmm. then kind of just growing up in Houston, man. It just seems like Houston is synonymous with either great football players or track stars. Like, y'all just have to be fucking fast <laughs> if yeah. you're in Houston for some reason. So, you know, you talked about the love for basketball. You talked about a little football, but you also ran a little track. So yeah. the, the next question we always ask on this show is what were the races? What did you compete in in track? So track, as I got bigger, so this is what I went. So my first time doing track was in high school. And because I wanted to do golf, because they said we had to pick a second sport. And I was like, man, I'm going to go pick golf because I don't want to run. And my DC coordinator is like, you're going to go, you're going to track. You're not doing golf. So I was like, dang it. Uh, so anyway, I missed that the throwers, I missed the throwers leaving at some point. So I'm out here running. And I'm like, bro, like, what are we like? 
man, I'm running like I'm running a hundred. We running two hundreds. We eighties, forties, six, and I'm keeping up. I'm actually doing pretty well for like a D lineman. And I wish I would have stayed. Part of me wishes I would have just stayed, but I found out where the throwers were. But throwing, I was pretty good. I got to about fifty in shot put and about one fifty-five in discus. Uh, I was pretty good at that. But I don't know what it is, man, about Texas. Like, man, I just it's man, it's crazy, man. The, the, the neighborhood I grew up in, it's just like, man, they they're that's still that school always like legit will always be loaded. That that school will never ever. There are certain schools you're like. Ah, that was a class or like, no, nah, that school will always have players, you know? Uh, so it was just tough. Like it was tough playing there, man. Like you wanted to transfer. You're like, man, I, the two dudes in front of me were sophomores. They're a year ahead of me. The defensive tackle in front of me, he ran a, he played defensive line. He ran a four, four. He was the anchor leg at a, at a four by one team. So he would make a play. I would come in after him. And they'd be like, John, like, hey, look, hold on coach. Nah, he different. Like I can't make that's a, he, he shouldn't be playing D line. First of all, <laughs> But he is like that dude's a freak, right? I can't make that play, coach. Y'all should know I'm fighting double teams and anything within these two gaps I can get. Anything outside of that ain't gonna happen. But those are my track times. I will say this though, in the big man relay, which I don't know if they do it in other states. Big man oh, relay. Yeah. Come on, okay. shout out to big man relay. Let's go. Yeah. Talk, talk talk about it. Big man relay. This is my shining moment. It got me in trouble. But <laughs> so the school cheated. Third, I'm gonna call him out. I was at High Tower High School, third good Marshall. They had a thrower, but dude was like, I'll D-line nose guard. He was like an outside line. Like, he was a slim linebacker, but he was a thrower. So he fit in the big man relay. But he actually ran in the relay. So I'm like, he got the track spikes on or whatever, right? So I'm like, man, whatever, bro. Like, and I'm telling my, my guy falls down, and I'm looking at him like, bro, just give me the stick. Give me, You know how it is. Give me the stick. Give me the stick. He gives me the stick, and old buddy can't catch me. So I'm booking it. I'm uh, uh, hitting the curve. I'm leaning. You know, they tell you to lean. I'm, ah, I'm getting out of there, right? So I hand it off to my old homeboy. He takes off. Our D-line coach is the head track coach. We both play D-line. And so he was like, that's a great job, guys. But guess what, now? I know y'all coasting when we run sprints. Got him. Guy got us. Because, man, man, I was running like I was running like it was no tomorrow, man. And I was shocked I beat the dude. Like, we, we ended up losing uh, because they just they, – they, they had him. Sprinter at the end, but we were we were neck and neck. But I'm telling me and my homeboy, we was on the bus ride back to school. Like, dang, bro, we probably shouldn't have ran that fast. Bro. <laughs> yeah, that's dead giveaway, man. Those big man relays, somebody got spikes on, man. You cheating, bro? Oh, yeah, cheating. Bro, like, yeah, they got you. Got to be two fifty and above. Like, they got to come with like a weight limit or something, man. Like, you got to have like yo, your shirt got to be a two X or bigger. You know, <laughs> well, I mean, two X back then. That was no. I mean, that's, I was trying to squeeze into a two X. That's very true. That's very true. I was should say three, or you should have. Let me say this: this would got the big dude. Your bottom tracks drawstring should be able to pull out about three feet. That's when you knew you was big. You had that drawstring that you could wrap around. That's when they should have cut people up. I had that drawstring that they used to be wrapping around, man. So that's when they should have. They should have cut it right there. We'd have been all good. <laughs> uh, love it. So. Uh, continuing Houston, man. So you went to HU, so you're a Cougar. What, what made you choose that, man? Was it just staying home? Is it just kind of, you know, you were used to seeing Clyde the Glide and what they were yeah. doing in, in that time? Like, what made you choose uh, to go to HU? The funny thing about going to, to University of Houston was, um, uh, and I and I would be wrong if I didn't cor- correct, is UH. I had, UH. I had yeah, yeah, oh, that's yeah. fine, 100%. I messed uh, up a lot of things. You're good. You're good. You good. It's weird because when I worked at KU, it's, it's actually University of Kansas, but they flipped it, so there's a lot of universities do it. But anyway, 
so my parents went to U of H and I was really big on like, I don't want to do nothing my parents did. So I, I spun a globe in eighth grade and was like, I spun it and I, I stopped and it stopped on Wisconsin. So I was like, I'm going to Wisconsin. But being from Houston, you never touch snow, right? So I was like, okay, I had a couple of trips. I had an opportunity to play uh, like Division three, Division two football, but I knew I wanted to work in sports and U of H was the only school with a sports administration program that was part of it. But I went on a trip to Baylor and I remember thinking to myself like, Man, this is uh, where where we at? Where? Hey, I don't, man, I don't smell no curb, no cocoa butter, man. I don't, man, they don't smell like none of that. I felt like, and we went in the the, the auditorium. I felt like a ch- chocolate chip and a two two gallon jug of milk, and I was like, bro, I can't do this. Like, I just, I can't. Like everywhere in Houston, if you ever been to Houston, Houston's super diverse. So I had seen, I've been around everybody my entire life. So we went back to University of Houston. That was my last trip. And it was just, it was what I was used to. It was people everywhere, you know, everybody, every ethnicity, man. I smelled that cocoa butter, man. I'm smelling uh, tahini. I'm smelling everything, man. So it was, it was, it was really good. That's why I picked it. But mostly because sports administration program, every other school was like, you can study business and then get in sports. But I just, like I told you earlier, I was a sports nerd. So I wanted to study the business of sport with sports. So. That's what went down to U of H, and it didn't. It didn't hurt that it was thirty minutes from the crib. So, so you go. So, so did you start with like kind of? I mean, we'll get more into this, but the business of sports. Or I, I feel like a lot of people when they want to get into sports, it's like journalism right away. Like, hey, yeah. I want to be a kind of sportscaster. But was that business administration kind of your focus right off the bat? Yeah. So I thought I wanted to be a sports agent because um, I just like helping athletes. And that kind of started when I was in high school. I was one of the guys who I was gifted athletically. I'm not going to sit here. I, I could have done a better job of stewarding those gifts. But I realized, like I said, the guy that had a 4-4, there were a lot of people that had some genetics that I didn't. So I really, really helped my teammates learn stuff. And I just like, man, this is pretty cool helping athletes learn, even my teammates so they can do better. So I wanted to be a sports agent. And they said, how much sports agents spend away from their family? I was like, nah. So then I did marketing. My minor, so I did sports administration with a minor in marketing. I did that. That was pretty cool. Uh, but that was kind of focused at the beginning with sports agent. And then, of course, you're like, oh, I want to be athletic director. And as you get in and learn more positions, you want to do that. But my whole goal is I got to find a spot where I'm impacting people. So it it started kind of with the business towards the end with marketing, sports marketing. So, yeah. And can you say the values of you said nose tackle early and that's yeah. a very unselfish, a lot yeah. of sacrifice. Yeah. Don't hear your name a whole lot. Yeah. You think some of those core values and just playing that position helped you kind of in that way of life and then get into the sports business? Yeah, so it did. Uh, I got a story. We used to do, y'all know what loafs are, right? Mm-hmm. So we would do scrimmages with these loafs. And I'll never forget, man, like we went in the locker room and all varsity, we all normally had black jerseys. And it was like me and three other guys had black jerseys and switched everybody to green on defense. So I'm like, bro, what happened? So we go do our lows, man. We got 86 up downs, 86. And I'm like, man, like, and so they say, Ed Jones, I'm the nose guard. I'm the big dude. I'm fighting double teams every play. Like I'm trying to, we had all, we had a, the center we had is literally the best player I've ever played against. He was two time all state. Like dude was legit. And I'm fighting. I mean, I'm fighting. Like you got to give hundred percent to go against him. So he don't get to the middle linebacker. So we ran a three, four. So I had a Mike backer right here, Will backer right here. So I'm trying to fight him so he can't get to him. I'll stop because I'll get into too much coaching. But I remember I had zero loafs and these two linebackers behind me who I'm literally fighting. They had, He had 33 and he had 21. I'm like, bro, I just did 54 up downs for y'all and I'm fighting the whole time. 
So it helped. The crazy thing about that story is we literally went from doing up downs right in the inside hole, which is set nine on seven. And our running back, we had a really good running back. They hand him the ball. I lit him up right in front of Ed Orgeron. At this time, Ed Orgeron was with USC, and they liked smaller D-line because Mike Patterson was there. And at the mm-hmm. time, it was like right at six feet. So right in front of Ed Orgeron, I'm like, boom. Like, you know what I'm saying? I get up, and literally, I kid y'all not, I'm out the next – I was so mad. I'm out the next series because I can't – like, they giving me water. Like, I'm trying to like – and I was so mad. But anyway – uh, that unselfishness helps because, like, they say there's two types of people, people that are, like, like two two types of fighters. There's people that will just fight you and people who are protectors. And I'm more of a protector fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that nose guard helped me with that. I used to play online, too. And it helps me in my role now because I care about people. Like, what can I do to help people? Like, I'm okay to kind of take an L to help people or take the beat up, whatever, take the double team, for lack of a better word. To help others so that i didn't i'm glad you said that like that just kind of like the profile of who i've been my entire life especially in the sports business love it all right man so let's kind of jump over man so you know you went through your college days man and then i mean you stayed on so kind of just through your career you know you you, you were going in the school uh for these kind of things like hey want to be a coach want to be an agent getting that sports marketing but I mean, you ultimately found your way and what your passion is and what we're really going to dig into the player development, player engagement kind of roles. And that started off early right there with your alma mater. Right. And I mean, you've done that <laughs> for the last couple of, you know, you've done it a, a lot in college. So we'll, we'll get into yeah. that. But um, so, you know, just not to glaze over it, but because more I want to get into all the things that you're doing now. Uh, right. But like, you know, at Baylor. Right. At kids with less miles, you know, and then, you know, starting it all off at Houston, you know, do you think that all colleges should have that role like the NFL or do they like because I'm not familiar with I know NFL. It's really important. Like every of the 32 teams have that function in one way or another. Do all the colleges do, you know, or a majority. Let's just talk about the power five or or, or division one. Do you know that? Yeah, so I know the numbers. So I'm geek out on numbers. I did a, a deal from when I was in it in 2016 to last year. Every year I kind of do a like a growth deal. Uh, when, and the NFL has a CBA, right? So the CBA says every single person must have at least one directed player engagement. There's some programs, of course, and it's kind of like, yeah, I guess university NFL is the same. So if your owner prides in it or your general manager, you might have four people. I know some people that have four people in it. Some people have one. Uh, Power five, most everybody has it because I found this out at the University of Kansas. So when I got to the University of Kansas, they kept talking about how much money they're putting in the uh, at, to football to kind of get us towards the middle of the pack in um, the Big 12. So what okay. they do is they show support staff positions. So Texas has 71, Oklahoma has 68, and Kansas had 27. So to get to that point, a coach says, I want to compete, they'll just – Whatever I look at Texas, okay, Texas has a director of player development, Texas has a director of player personnel, Texas has this. All right, cool. Give me them 20 positions so I get to 47 and get to the middle of the pack. So everybody, every Power 5 school literally has a director of player development. Now, with that said, the function in player development is different, and I'll talk about that later. That's why I'm so passionate about the space because that person could be a coach in waiting. That person could be uh, a holdover spot, academic spot, but every every school has the position at the power five level, and it's really growing to the group of five level. So I get probably I probably get a call or text every week about the position. Like, do you know somebody? Right. So 
it's growing in the group of five level. What's starting to happen at the power five level is people are starting to double up. So people are starting to get player development stats. Clemson has like six. Georgia has four. Um, Florida has four. I know they're hiring right now. There's a few schools that are kind of getting it going with stats. But, yes, to answer your question, all power fives have one, and most group of fives are getting close to having one, if not having one. Pretty cool. And then you you said you were kind of the recruiting coordinator um, in the high school level. And I know we'll, we'll talk about how NIL has kind of changed space even at that point a little later. But um, did, you, did that kind of transition into the, the player development role uh, into college? Absolutely. So that's how I got hired at University of Houston. We had three guys that were committed to University of Houston at the time. And because I was recruiting coordinator, I I tell people, you got to be strategic where you have to get to where you want to get to. That sophomore class I started with was loaded. We had about 14 college football players, about seven that could play Division I level. So I talked to you, I told you all my school was loaded. So we became a school that you had to stop by. So over the span of three years, I met about 400 coaches. We had about 400 to 500 visits from colleges. And so you get to the Texas A&Ms are coming in, the TCUs, the Texases, you know, the Michigans. You get to learn all these people. So it helped me because I was building relationships there. But the biggest thing I didn't realize what was happening was they were seeing the relationships I had with the players. I can call a player down. They were watching me at practice. They were watching me in the weight room. They were watching how to bring guys in. Hey, tell them about this, this, that. So Tom Herman saw it. And what happened was I'm literally in the office with my head coach, and I got, like, our recruit deal. I'm like, hey, Coach Herman, these are our guys that we got, blah, 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 blah. We don't, and I, I was very honest. So we don't have anybody in the next class, but the class after that we're, we got some guys for he said, that's awesome, and that's all good. He's like, I want to interview you. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and so we went in a room, and he basically said, he was like, I-, I saw the way you handled it with the players. We're okay. They can go play wherever they want to. He said, the thing is, we like you, and other kids at other schools talk about you. And so we want that in our program. So it, it, it helped. It helped. So shout out to everybody in the age. That's one thing about the age. If you're good at something in the age, man, people in the age don't let other people in the age know. So. So. <clears throat> You mentioned because I don't know which way I want to go with this. I, let, let's let's stick with this. Um, what is your definition of player development, player engagement, right? And this is a two part question, so I want you to start with the definition, mm-hmm. and then something you brought up where like it is different on you know MH, MH and I have kind of talked about this as far as how different um, organizations as far as football are structured differently. How do you make that become um, like a synonymous like where it's there's at least some baseline that's the same, right? Like, yeah, there's going to be some different needs at different schools, but the baseline of what player engagement or player development should be this. So start with the definition and then kind of give me where do you think or how can you get it to where it's at that baseline across? Absolutely. So the definition, I had to define it. So when I was writing my first book, I was like, I need to define this. It's the enhancement of the student-athlete experience through holistic and intentional, it could be initiatives, programming, different things like that. But it's it's all we're doing is we're enhancing their life, right? Because they're going to come to this university. They're going to get great education. They're going to be coached by some incredible individuals. They're going to have great experiences. But how do we enhance their life outside of just being an athlete? Outside of even in some cases, just being a student, right? Because you can say, okay, we take care of them as a student. We need to enhance their lives overall as people. And so uh, that's so the definition as pro, right? So enhancing their mm-hmm. life outside mm-hmm. of their sport, right? Sure. Okay. Sure. Correct. And so what I'm trying to do with like the conference I held, which I know we'll talk about, and even the second book. So I, I was like, all right, this is the book. And then when I wrote the second book, it was more kind of like a, hey, I'll just keep it. Let's keep it. I'll, hey, look, here we are. We're black and sports. I'm keeping it, hunting. 
it was more a letter to my last institution I worked at because I got That's let cool. go. I got let go by the coach who was there. And instead of being mad at him, I was like, let me write this because maybe he did not know what he thought he wanted in player development. So I wrote the head coach's guide to player development that lays out, this is what player development is. And so, you know, there's some head coaches that got it. I had an opportunity to go talk uh, at the NCAA NFL coaches um, academy about it. So getting coaches to understand this is what the position is, right? Because it, it actually can help your program. It can help you win. I don't have stats on that, but I can tell you, like, when now, let me preface this. If everything else is good, if coaching is good and the structure is good in the program, this can help enhance, you know? Um, and so getting that, so just really targeting coaches, targeting ABs, just a lot of education. So one thing I'm doing when I pick up my podcast for season four, it's a lot of educational stuff. A lot of what is this? How do you do this? This is how it works. How do you handle this? Because coaches just don't know, right? They Because they go off of, oh, this is somebody got to oh, just, just hire a director of player development. But they, this is the crazy thing about it, EJ, is I get it all the time. I get a text message where coaches are now starting to say this, and this is good for this industry, and anybody wants to get in it that listens. We want somebody who just wants to do this. We don't want a coach. We don't want somebody who wants to recruit. We want somebody who wants to do this. That's awesome. But, coach, what do you want them to do? I talked to another guy. He, his head coach told him, literally, this is what he told him. Hey, take care of the guys. Make sure they don't get in trouble. That is broad. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, how, like, and so helping coaches define that, because I think it's one thing Tony Dungy said. He was like, a lot of, and he talked about, when he's talking about the diversity of hires, he said a lot of the reason, the big reason a lot of these outside of biases, right? A reason a lot of these hires don't happen is because owners don't know what they want. So they all say, let's go get the, the next offensive coordinator. Let's go get this uh, sexy coach here. But they don't know what they want in a leader. And he talks about the Steelers. The Steelers knew what they wanted in a leader. Chuck Noll, Bill Cower, and Mike Tomlin. And so when they met Mike Tomlin, they they knew what they wanted, and it was a wrap. Because there's a story about Mike Tomlin and with the Dolphins. He had an interview with the Dolphins, and he crushed it, and they weren't prepared for it. And Cam Cameron didn't have a good interview, but they say Cam Cameron, they brought him in for a second interview just to justify hiring over Mike Tomlin because they weren't prepared for what they wanted. Now, that's what I've heard. I can't confirm or deny Cam Cameron, if you got a program you want to bring me in and talk about player development, let's make it happen. But that's you know that's uh, that's uh, that's that's the thing, right? So it's helping coaches because they're starting to realize, all right, man, I can't hire a coach because the coach ain't gonna do what I need him to do. But helping them understand what they what they can get out of the position. So when you're when you're formulating programs and establishing the needs at the you know universities or pro level wherever you're at, is that just kind of communication with the general manager or a head coach? Like you know, there's no like kind of definition of hey this is what we need a lot of times it's not in place so how do you what's the process in developing those programs pain points so i'm asking questions like hey what you know what what um you know during the off season what are some of the biggest uh problems that y'all keep tripping over and they may say this 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 and this all right cool then i then i take it and say okay that's a problem this is a transition problem or they say our new our newcomers they don't get it okay maybe the newcomer orientation is it needs to be more in depth or they may say, uh, you know, during the season, our, 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 our uh, red shirts, we have a problem with our red shirts, understanding that they're not the man on campus and then they all want to get in the portal. OK, maybe there needs to be a red shirt development. Maybe you need to get them all together and develop them and show them that they're important to the program and, and take them out to dinner or, or this, you know. And so I'm listening to pain points, because if I tell them, you know, hey, coach or, or general manager or AD or whoever, right, what's going on in the program, they're going to say the same thing. We got to get these guys to focus. We got to get these guys to play hard. We got to get these. And so I just break it down from there. And then you break it in. So I see that 
I see football as three sections, three sections of the year. You got winter. I, well, I would call it. So if we're going from January, I call that uh, winter conditioning slash spring football. Right. And then the summer, that's called that's more my programming, programming and transitional. And then you got August down, which is season postseason. So I'm going to ask the questions in those three areas. And that's going to tell me what they really need, because I don't want to sell them on something that's not going to work. I need it, whatever. If the hardest thing for them is um, if the hardest thing for them is guys paying attention and I'm going to talk to them about. I got people in sources, but we're going to talk about, hey, do y'all understand Gen Z? Do you understand? Do you understand? Like, it's more understanding, but it's finding their pain point. They'll tell you, too. And they're not going to tell you when they answer the question. You just have to listen to them talk. And it'll just, come out naturally. Yeah. Man. yeah. So All right, instance, man. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. So, for instance, let's say I'm sitting here with EJMH, and we're talking, and he gets his phone, and he's like, oh, man, this, ah, this again. So I say, well, what is, if you don't mind me asking, what is this again? Well, you know, we the communication between academics and our play. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, taking notes all the time. So, yeah. No, you got to have a plan, man, to, to attack it. Right. And then uh, be solution driven. So a lot of things, right. And I want to hit these quick. So, cause I don't want to miss, you know, anything down the line, but so you, you, you hit on one MH hit on another. So encompassing in this role, right. So in your player engagement role, NIL is really big. So, you know, like, I, I know I can't keep you to a short answer on that, but as brief as possible, like, you know, wh- what is the outcome and how much is, you know, player development involved in that role? Yeah. And then also the crisis management part, right? Like, when you look at what's going on, we'll we'll definitely say the NBA, but right. in other sports, you know what I mean? I mean, you worked at Baylor. Baylor had some time with their football program that they ran into issues. What does that those two components look like and how much of that role is kind of ingrained into uh, player development. And I know it depends, but just kind of give me your thoughts on that. I'll go quick. NIL, I think NIL is the best for, for a player development person. I think it's the best teaching tool possible because you can, they're not going to want to listen to you when you talk about, hey, we're going to learn about financial literacy. But once you talk about them making money and taxes and all that, it's the best tool to help them talk about branding. So I never disliked it because it actually helped me. It was like everything that they didn't want to hear. Now they got to hear it. Great. So, okay. The other thing with that too, it's just being realistic with NIL, uh, but it's it comes to player development because everybody else handles it until it gets deep, deep down. It's like everything else, right? All right, he got his. Everybody wants to help him sign a deal. Everybody wants him to get the pictures, whatever. But you're the one who has a reminder of, hey, you better get that post out this week, or they're not gonna give you your money, you know. Or if something goes down, hey, coach, I'm tired of this, blah blah blah. Or reminding them on the on the road trip, hey, brother, look, I understand you making NIL money. When we get on this bus Thursday night, that coach ain't trying to see that. So do all your posts, schedule, send your posts. Instagram has what that's where it comes up, right? So the next part with crisis, crisis. I think a lot of people. I learned this from Tom Herman. He said ninety percent of discipline and crisis isn't always discipline, but I'll use this. He said ninety percent of discipline is anticipation, and so you gotta know what's going on. I think a lot of people don't want to be honest with some of the kids. What they see happen, right? You don't want to be honest, right? If you create, so like for instance, the stuff, I'm not gonna point out NBA team. But when you build certain things and you let certain things happen and you allow not only the players but your co-workers and you're allowed to put things out on social media and you kind of have this it's gonna happen you know if you don't have certain structures so like for me it's like how are we prepared for this like for instance this is a quick story quick story this happened at one of my universities our players wanted to go to the swim park during fall camp they saw other people do it and i went up to upstairs and i said hey they need to go they we need to take them to the swim park i don't care what we're doing we need to take them to the swim park they've been talking about it all week nah we're not gonna take them to the swim park i'm like all right i'm telling you i'm gonna go to the swim park right 
So anyway, coach comes in, everybody's excited. They think they're going to swim park. He's like, we're not going to swim park. And literally you can suck all the air out that room, right? We go to practice. We had the worst brawl I've seen in a while. And meanwhile, we're in the room. Everybody's frustrated. How did this happen? And I'm like, because you didn't take them to the swim park. They literally told you what they wanted to do. You didn't do it. You had 120 guys who wanted to do one thing. You said no, and you took them out to practice anyway, and you thought a fight wouldn't break out. You better be glad they didn't swing at you. So anyway, 90% of that is anticipation and just being real. Like, guys, we have to listen to them. And it's also listening, too. Like, listen to what they're saying. They're going to give you clues. So um, that's that. You just got to be prepared, prepared for everything. So whenever it happens at another school or something happens unfortunate in the league or another sport or whatever, I'm sitting down there. What, okay, what is our plan for this? How will we handle this? What, what are our parameters? So, yeah. Talk about this. I, I, I'm, I'm a proponent of transition at every level is kind of the same. I mean, we just kind of at different level, but it's all transition. Right. In your role, a lot of times I don't personally see the alumni that give back to the current player who give back to the future player. So how do you kind of blend all of those levels together uh, into the whole transition and the development of an athlete? I think alumni, you brought it up. I think that is the most overlooked part in player development, honestly, program development. I think with alumni, you have a natural backbone and people that will probably talk bad about you inside your building and not outside the building. Uh, and so what we want to do is we want to connect. We want to be honest with our alumni. This is come to practice. Come check us out. Come meet the new the new coaching staff. Come talk to our players. Like now you got to balance it, too, because some alumni, they can't get out of when they were there. Right. And it's like there's a, a good balance. But you want the current players, you want the current players to know that when they're former players, they have access to the program. Right. And you want them to then say that stuff to recruits. Right. So they're like, man, you know. Uh, man, so-and-so who won the Thorpe Award back in 91, man, he come by one, twice a year and say, what's up? Or he comes to the cookout or whatever. It's one thing, because a lot of coaches just, man, this is the biggest thing. I'm, I'm just say this. Coaches are really insecure. Some of the most insecure people I've ever met in my life. So they get really insecure when former players come in because either they feel like they're not meeting the standard of winning that the former player had or the former player is going to talk about their coach. And so coaches don't want that in there because they think it seeps into the team, and it doesn't. It's just for a player to see support, right? It's just, man, like when I went to Hightower High School, we didn't have former players. We were part of the first four classes. So, like, you know, but it was cool when the class before us came back, right? We didn't have the OGs that played 10 years ago, 20 years ago. That was like, hey, man, y'all keep fighting. Y'all keep doing things. So it's good. Like, it's the biggest. That's the one thing I give Tom Herman, man. He was like, look, whatever we got to do to get these guys back here, we need to do it. Because I've heard some horror stories when it comes to alumni. But I think – like you said, the transition, because they need to see that. You won't be this former player real soon. Like, it's, right. it's going to happen like like that, you know? So working on that. And then having development available for former players as well. They want to come in and sit through financial literacy or – because they didn't have – a lot of people didn't have this position when they played. They like – Right. And so it's like, well, cool. Come check out a workshop. Come check out, see what we do, and, and let us know what, what would have helped or can't help. So. And you don't know what network that that can tap into, right? Because right. then they right. start like, oh, man, I went back. You should, or hey, let's bring such a that. That's a great point as well. That's awesome. All right, so man, Houston raised you. Houston gave you the opportunity. Houston did a lot for you, man. And what's crazy is you developed beyond the field during your days in Houston, man. So, I mean, that's incredible. If you think about like a lot of people that you know, we all have our nine to fives, 
And it's not often you can create something in that nine to five and take that with you. So tell us about how it started, man, because I want to slowly start to transition into the winner's circle and talk about all the amazing things you're doing. But I think that's the kind of like the tipping point. And if I'm wrong with that, you know, definitely correct me. But 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 tell us uh, how the start of Beyond the Beyond the Field started. uh, No, you're right. You're right. I I appreciate that. I didn't even think about that. Like it all started in the H, man. I love Houston. Uh, It's too high. Too much traffic. But anyway. (laughs) mosquitoes are like birds um it, so it all started so it goes back to the marketing background image we talked about that earlier with the business side of sports so literally our recruiting director comes in he says hey ed we want you to talk about player development for the parents i had never done that and so i go back to like my marketing background and i'm thinking how do you get people to remember who you are right and i know there's the law of threes right most people remember things in threes right so like, for instance, y'all's podcast, Black and Sports, right? Beyond, like people just remember things in threes, right? And so I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there like, man, I don't, I didn't want to just be called the player development guy. Hey, here, we got Ed, the player development guy who, cause they're not going to remember that, right? They're like, oh yeah, some big dude, you know, big smile talk to us, whatever. Um, so I just kept writing it. I was like, I got to come up with three things, right? And I was like, I wanted to be three things, you know, beyond the game, no, more than the athlete was out there, blah, 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 blah. I was like, you know what, beyond the field. Because I want parents, when they leave here and when this recruiting trip, they know, hey, that guy takes care of my son beyond the field. Yeah. That's all I wanted to do, right? Just just put that put that in their mind. Hey, this is Ed Jones with, you know, beyond the field. And like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's the guy who talked about whatever. So that's where it started. And then from there, I was like, all right, well, you know, I went back to what Tom Herman told me when I first got a job. He was like, I want you to take care of players, get in the community, and get them summer jobs. So I was like, well, take care of the players. It's called that personal wellness. Uh, get in the community, community impact, and then summer jobs, they're going to need careers, career development. So that's how Beyond the Field started and kind of rolled from there. But it kind of shout out to the Bauer College of Business at U of H, always be closing, always be selling. So ABCs, baby. ABCs. ABCs. <laughs> you already know. All day. Well, that's what's up. Well, hey, so I just wanted to kind of tease them. We're going to go ahead and get into that winner circle. But really quick, MH, man, you got them quick hits? For sure. Uh, this is some. Get to know you questions. First yeah. thing that popped to mind. First time, if ever, you've been starstruck. Ooh. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, no, first, uh, Janet Jackson. Janet Jackson, Super Bowl in Houston. So we at that Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Uh, we didn't so see was it. Was it before or after? <laughs> it was before. So, like, in high school, we were part of the halftime show. And uh, we didn't see her at practice. She didn't come to any of the practices. So we get to the halftime show, and you're just like, bro, that's Janet Jackson. And I didn't know nothing about what happened until we were running out. And my brother's on the phone. He's called, did you see it? Did you see it? Did you see it? I'm like, what are you talking about? That actually was a really good game. But, yeah, that's 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 my answer. That's what's up. Barbecue. Texas barbecue or St. Louis barbecue? Uh, Texas. Yeah, we're, we're in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> right, hold on. What about you? Know, what about KC barbecue? You're not – you're not it, it is good. I will say this. So the difference with Texas is, to me is Texas, you can eat it right off the grill. I think Kansas City, they put a lot more sauce on it. I'm not a big sauce guy. Like, I've dipped in sauce, but I don't want it on top of stuff unless I, if I, unless I ask for it. So, But Texas, man, it ain't even close. Brisket, baby, with the hanging brisket, the brisket that leaned over. The, yeah, that's what we talking about. Basketball <laughs> right now. So give me your top five starting all-time Houston Rockets. Oh, that's easy. Uh, so like Hakeem, my favorite player ever, best rocket ever, Hakeem Olajuwon. I, so let me go one. I'm sorry, let me go one to five. So Calvin Murphy at the point guard, Clyde Drexler at the two. Um, I'm gonna go 
with the small forward, he don't really get a lot of love, but I think he was an all-star before it all happened was Rudy T. Rudy T wasn't a bad player, mm-hmm. but you can go with, uh, you know, I put James Harden there. I'm not okay. saying James Harden. <laughs> James Harden at small forward, Elvin Hayes at power, and then Akeem at center. My top five. Okay. There it is. Okay. What you, uh, this is not part of the quickest. I just kind of want to know, like, what you, what's your thoughts on the Houston Rockets now with the new coach and where they're going? What's, what's your thought there? I'm glad they didn't miss it, man. I'm glad. I was like, y'all, y'all got to hire him, man. Like, y'all have to. They are really, really young. Um, I hope they get a veteran. I know a lot of people feel a certain way about Dylan Brooks, but I don't think he wouldn't be bad. I, I kind of like him with the Rockets. It's kind of like that edge in Houston. They'll calm him down in age, trust me. Uh, but like the, that edge, like they got some good talent, but I just, I, I would like to see a couple veterans um, just kind of help mold that team, but they're young, man. They are young, but I really, really like, uh, really like the uh, coach uh, Udoka. Love to hire. Okay. Mike Jones, Glenn <laughs> Thug, or Paul Wall. Who got the coldest uh, verse on Still Tipping? Oh, why you do me like that, man? It's man, that is like literally we would have this debate with them because they would come to practice, all of them except for Mike Jones. Like Slim Thug and pa- Paul Wall is like the biggest kid. And, like he would come to practice and we'd be like, Paul, get off the field, man. We we come and he, <laughs> he picked up, he would just pick up the football and run it like but uh to me it's <sighs> Slim Thug, man. I just Oh, I'm with you. Slim tipping on, but like I repped it, like that's just that's it, they all good, but Slim Thug, every time they come on, I just man, let's go. So Oh, all right. That, that's 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 a wrap for me, Jay. That's what's up, man. I love that. I love their quick hits. All right, so um, kind of in the transition, man. I, I'm going to jump really quick because I think it's important. Mm-hmm. Um, you really shared a vulnerable moment, and like I love that. Also, you kept it real on Black and Sports. We always appreciate that. Right. We're talking about where that uh, book came from. Letting your past employer know that's dope too. But in that, like, and I'm, I'm not sure if it was from that job or from another one, you had a period of unemployment, you yeah. know, where you were looking from your last job to your next opportunity. And you actually did a podcast while you were unemployed, talking about the 10 things you learned. Right. Yeah. And I think, one, that's amazing to do while you're unemployed. Right. So yeah. I went through about where, you know, and MH knows this. I was unemployed for two plus years. Right. Wow. So. I couldn't imagine kind of being able to be that vulnerable because I was going through all of the things and, and your, your 10 steps. So I just want to one commend you if you want to say anything on that, or we could just tease the people. So they go back and listen to that podcast, but no, I think that was tough. And I think one of the two things that really connected with me is the faith and the value, right? Because you were forced to have faith that like God is going to prepare you and open up a greater and a better door for you when you just yeah. left something that, you thought maybe was the best thing for you at that time, right? And then your value, right? Like, <laughs> take your value and t- 10x that my luggage. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's, straight it's, up. those are the two things that resonate. But I think there was a, a, a couple other things that you did. But just, I yeah. just want to commend you for doing that because it, it's really hard to kind of go through that because a lot of us, our job or what we're doing kind of is who we are, a stature. So, it's hard to kind of go through that. I definitely don't mind talking about it, man. It was, it was tough, man. It was eight months where. When it happened, man, I'll never forget when it happened. It was um, – so we had signing day, and it was the day of signing – the day after signing day. And this is the crazy part, but I'll tell you all. I had to turn in all this stuff. So some of our coaches went to Texas Tech. Our head coach took a job, so he took some staff with him. 
And uh, at the time, I wasn't doing the player development stuff, just keeping it a buck. Like, I really, like, our, our head coach would have player development meetings. He wouldn't invite me to them. Like, it was weird. I brought it up. I was like, hey, coach, you hired me. He's like, nah, you don't need to be in those meetings. And so Texas Tech was like, hey, man, we want to bring you to do recruiting. And I was like, well, I don't want to do recruiting. And I was like, if I'm not going to do what I want to do, I might as well stay here to move my family, right? Because I thought I was good, even though they weren't letting me do what I was doing, because they kept giving me big stuff to do. Like, that was a big thing. I, did, I wasn't sitting there and not doing it. They were like, hey, we trust you with this, right? So when I, the day I had to turn everything in, they fired me at like eight o'clock that morning. I remember thinking like he brought me in and said, hey, you did an incredible job. Uh, you connected with the players, but you didn't connect with the staff, which I thought was weird because I had great relations with everybody. But he was like, yeah, man, if you need me to call anybody, I would um, I would tell them that you're good at what you do. You have a great attitude. And I was like, if I was you, I wouldn't call nobody. They'd be looking at you like, man, you stupid. Like, Why do you let this dude go? Like if you're doing the work, right? But anyway, I called my wife. I let her know, man, I just... I left. I knew it was going to come because I kind of could tell, like when I talk about the insecurities, what I learned in that deal is there's an ego coach and there's an insecure coach. And I'd rather work before an ego coach because an ego coach, you make him look good. So he's like, yeah, I'm keeping you around because you make me look good. An insecure coach, they'll get you out because you make them look bad. You're not even purposely trying to do it. You're just trying to do your job, right? That's right. So I learned that. Yeah. I learned that. So anyway, uh, as I went through that, man, I found out during the, the process that they lied on me. Uh, that was interesting. That that one brought me to tears in the interview, like close to tears, because I knew the head coach I was interviewing with. And he's like, man, I'm hearing stuff that I didn't know about you. And it just it brought me to tears. I thought about like close to tears because I thought about how my parents raised me. They lied on the two things that my parents raised me. My parents raised me. And MHU brought this up. Right. They said I was all about myself, but I've never been that. I had brothers and sisters. I played. I was always about somebody else. And they always said I didn't finish nothing. I couldn't start anything that I finished. And that was like, bro, y'all still doing programming that I created. To this day, they still doing stuff that I created. So that was kind of frustrating. So I also noticed, let's be, like being a black man that gets fired for nothing, nobody nobody can take that, right? So I talked to the university, they're on the phone and they're like, hey, we heard that basically there was a dude who got you fired because he didn't want you around. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, you literally did your job. And I'm like, yeah. All right, we'll call you back. People can't if you're a black man, you can't like you can't not get fired just to get fired. Like you had to do something. Right. And so like one instance, this guy from the Lions, he was like, hey, man, uh, the school going to reach out. They're going to call you. And I told him on the phone, I said, they're not going to call me. He was like, no, they're going to call you. I said, they're not going to call me because they connected to this dude. This dude who got me fired is connected around the game because of his last name. And he's he's just not a good dude. Right. I hope I don't wish no ill will on him, but. Like, it is what it is. He's not a good dude. He lied on me. I saw him lying. A lot of people just lied. And I don't even understand why. Because the dude going to have a job for the rest of his life. His kid's always going to have a job because he's got a Hall of Fame name, right? But anyway, uh, I just went through that. And I was like, man, but what about me? Like, it was tough because even to this day, even to this day, since working at Kansas, I still struggle finding work that, like, gets all of the stuff, all my skill, right? Yeah. And so um, it was tough. But I had to do it. I felt like I had to do it. Like, I, I felt like, man, I know it's – this happens to a lot of people. You, man, I was shocked at how many messages I got from people saying, thank you, bro. Like, thank you for doing that. Now, did it keep me from probably getting hired? Absolutely. But my thing is, like, if you wasn't going to hire me because I was real about what I learned from not being, then I don't need to be there anyway. So, facts, super facts. Well, man, I definitely just wanted to kind of commend you on that, man, for real, for real. So, um, all right, man. So in this winner's circle, right? Like that was a, that was a part of, of of building you and making who you are. But let's talk about this conference that you just put on in May, sure. man. That had to be a huge and an exciting win, right? Because the biggest thing in life, a lot of times, is we just don't start. You know, we're afraid and we 
you know, we don't know the answers to all the questions and, you know, people don't understand that just starting, just doing it is, is a success, right? So getting it done. So um, just, just past May, uh, we were definitely working on getting you on before May, but I think it's just great that we got you on now, just so you could tell us, you put on a player development conference. So tell us why that was important and why you modeled it and, and just maybe a quick one or two highlights of the event. Yeah, uh, it was important because everybody been asked for it. We haven't had that space. Like I said earlier, we're defining the space and people that are doing it the way I feel like it should be done. We wanted to get it. And so I was like, you know what? Let's do it virtual uh, two days. And I kind of wanted to, I wanted to, I designed it so that people who want to get in the space, people that want to get in the space and people who are in the space can be developed. And so it ended up being pretty well. I just took a lot of questions that I get from people. I was like, let me make panels. So like a lot of people ask how do you get into player development? But nobody asks about your first year in player development. So I did the first year in player development. You know, mm-hmm. people want to know what's the difference between professional and college. So we did a panel on that. Of course, people want to know about NIL. People want to know. I wanted to know what it's like to work on a player development staff. I never had that. So we did a panel about working on the staff. And so it was just helping a lot of people. There's a lot of different things. Career development, crisis planning, which you talked about, we did. I just really wanted it to structure it to, to develop. Because I didn't want it to be. There's a lot of conferences you go to where there's a lot of philosophical stuff. Where people are like, you know, like you go watch a football coach and they'll be like, yeah, you know, on third down, we do this because we have really good players. Like, no, nah, y'all got a scheme. What do y'all do to stop people on third down? And so I wanted that to be the conference. Like, actually, people get something out of it to say, oh, wow. And the panelists did an incredible job. Shout out to the panelists. Shout out to my team that helped with that all. Evan Norman, Lauren King, Ali Jawai. Shout out to them. The panelists, they didn't, feel, they didn't say any secret sauce. So, yeah, it was really good. Love it, man. Two highlights, two highlights, yeah, two highlights. Over 100 attendees for the first one, which is incredible. And two of our panelists, Dr. Lacey Carmen Johnson was in Toronto, Canada. Uh, three of our panelists were international, excuse me. Dr. Lacey Carmen Johnson was in Toronto, Canada. Lamont Winston was in London, England. And shout out to Ira Childress, who was in Dakar, Senegal, on a mission trip with LSU football, who said, man, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be on this thing. So shout out to them. Two-part two question with the with the conference, for sure. One was a common trait or maybe two traits that was common with all the panelists. Yeah. And then number two, uh, what's next year look like for the conference? Yeah. So a common trait is it's not linear. Like all your experiences help you for the role, because I think in five years, player development will be linear where you can get a GA position and then a coordinator manager. And you mm-hmm. do that. Right. But that's not happening right now. So everybody had different experience and I want it people to hear that, right? Cause people would be like, how'd you get in player development? I was like, I don't know. I was a high school coach. Right. Uh, and then the other thing was relationships. So linear being uh, player development is not linear. Every experience is good. And then relationships. I tell people all the time, there's like, what's the biggest skill I need? You have to build relationships with the players, with the staff, <laughs> with external people, with parents. It's all about relationship building. And then next year, Oh man, hold on. Sorry. Next year's going to look different because that Saturday was, man, we went from nine to three. And, man, my, my stomach was like, I'm about to eat this spine real quick. Next year we're going to break it into three <laughs> days. So we'll start on Thursday. And then we'll do Friday. Friday will be pro sports. And then Saturday will be collegiate sports. So adding more people. Like I met somebody from tennis, player development. I'm meeting people like it's crazy now that I've had it, all the people I'm connected with. So trying to break it down to threes where we have a professional sports aspect, a college aspect, and giving people more breaks in between. I love it, man. And then, I mean, just more development. You kind of hit on it, and, and I want to make sure it is the same thing. 
Um, so you've written a couple books and now you're kind of going into the player development guide, the course. So you said that you're going to spark up, <clears throat> excuse me, um, your podcast is going to be more into that, like tutorial, educational. And then now, um, you know, you're kind of coming up with this course guide. So tell us about that. That's dropping uh, later this month, right? Sometime this this month you're getting it going, right? Yeah. So that'll be July. Actually, my phone is buzzing because some of the people that want to get in the course, I'm doing an interview to make sure that it's the right thing for them. I don't want anybody to spend money and then oh, this is what good for me. But uh, the kickoff in July, and it's just what I'm learning is people need to want to be educated about the space. And it goes back to when I was in it, man, that first day, I keep, like I cannot make this up. My first day on the job, I'm literally walking down the hallway. I went to the restroom. I don't know where my office is. Tom Herman's like, Ed Jones, where you at? I'm like right here, coach. He's like, so-and-so, your office now, like literally off the, that's opening kickoff. Like, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm walking with old buddy and I'm like, hey, let's go find my office. I don't know who you are. So like helping people to have a foundation, like that's big for me, like educating people on this space. I think I, I've learned looking at it, being a more of a businessman, that most of the people who support, pay for things are people that want to know about getting into the position. So I want to spend time helping them do that. And this may be a teaser from the course, uh, but I'm taking notes the whole time you're talking. This is super dope. Uh, how do you take like, um, I guess, an event, so to speak? Hey, we're mm -hmm. doing this on this day. And how do you develop that into a program, if that makes sense? So you start off the calendar. Everybody, That's another thing everybody talking about, the good old calendar, man. That is the most guarded thing in any organization. <laughs> like You got to get on the calendar, man. Like it's crazy, right? It's not on the calendar to work. So, for instance, I will do I will just get on the calendar and say, hey, this we're going to do um, summer programming, a five series summer program. Right. I just get it on the calendar. Right. And we're going to talk about this, 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 this and that. So I get it there. So everybody sees it. And then from there, I start breaking down. I start going through speakers. Right, do we need speakers? Who's going to be really good to engage these guys? These guys don't want to be here, first of all. And then food, food gets in there. What food are we going to get? So it kind of goes from like the the. It's almost like, you know, the, the food diagrams they would show us in the, the, the triangle. So the base is like get on the calendar, then the topic, then the meat of it, then like all the way to the top is like graphics. Right. But it's uh, that's kind of how hopefully that answers your question. But you get come with the thought first, get it on the calendar, make sure the head coach understands because he is not or him or the ops person, the chief of staff. Make sure they understand what you want. And what I've learned is don't give them too many. Don't give them too much about it. Just give them what they understand. This would be really good for recruiting. Like when I work for Les Miles. Once I found this out, it was a wrap. Les Miles loves recruiting. So every time I had, hey, coach, you're going to Black Student Athlete Summit. So tell me why you're going it, because it'd be good for recruiting, coach. Parents to get there, moms love it. Do it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, coach, we're going to Kansas City to do an externship at this commercial real estate. So why are we doing it? It's a former player. It'd be good for recruiting. Do it. Do so it. You got to, that's not how I did it. So, yeah. That's what's up. So I want to ask you this question. It's more of, I think, like a personal question, right? So, you wanted to be a coach, right? Like, so that was one of the paths that you were going down. And then even doing what you're doing, I believe it's coaching in some form. Does this kind of fulfill that kind of coaching bug that you have? Like, do you do you feel some of that? Um, or, or do you ever want to get into coaching or back into coaching at any point? I didn't think it would feel the only two times. People ask me this all the time. The two times where the coaching bug bites me is the first day of spring and the first day of fall camp. And when they're running out there, that's the only time. That's it. It bites me. I'm like, man, like everybody got their position group. But I hey, thought about hey, this. Not, not, not just coaching. You, you think you got one or two plays and you still. <laughs> man, look, man, I'm telling you, I had to stretch up, man. They'd be like, hey, we need a scout receiver. I got you. Hey, I'm right here, ref. <laughs> so uh, 
But uh, it was crazy because at Kansas, I kind of thought to myself one time, I was like, man, I'm, I'm pretty much the head coach off the field. And so I was going to uh, Les Miles has his weekly radio show and he wanted me to come. And he literally looked at me and he's like, Ed Jones is here. Let me tell you about Ed Jones. He is literally the head coach off the field. Like we had never talked about it. It was crazy. He was like, Ed Jones knows more stuff than I do. I honestly do. Uh, but uh, as far as the team, I enjoyed it because if I coach, I would only have a room. So the room would be, you know, 10, maybe 10 guys, right? When we do a player development, I get not only the 120 that are on the team, I get the former players and I get the 80 or so that we're recruiting. And so you get to build all these relationships that really help with the program. So I'm good. I don't want to, I'm good. Like I do miss running. I think I'd be have a little less weight on me because when I was a coach, I used to run everywhere, but outside of that, uh, no, I'm good. The whistle's gone. It's hung up somewhere. It's got dust somewhere, but it's not, it's not going to be blown anytime soon. You talked about uh, ego coaches and uh, insecure head coaches. Uh, I thought, I, I think that, I thought that was beautiful, but I think it almost probably applies to players too. So, you know, how do you, I guess, break down and get them enough to, to be humble enough to, you know, feed into what you're feeding them? Yeah. So ego, ego guys, <laughs> we had one guy, he came in and it was funny. I was actually reading. So they print out the stats of the conference and he was like, man, man, coach, I did my thing. You know what I'm saying? Boys, they ain't, they ain't seen me out here. I said, man, that's kind of crazy because, Man, I, speaking of boys not seeing you, I don't see you on this this uh, conference stat sheet. I'm just saying, I'm not trying to dig you, but you got more work to do. And he understood it, right? And then the insecure guys, the guys that come in like, hey, man, that freshman trying to outshow me. He trying to blah, 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 blah. Man, I don't like him. You, you really, have you noticed that he follows you wherever you go? Mm. You notice that he watches you every step? You notice that he's a little you, a mini you? So, if you want him, if you want to be great, the more great you're going to be, the more he's going to be. So you need to step it up because he's just literally following you. So you got to find that balance of people because you don't want ego guys, man, but they they get it going, man. It's just it's something about them. It just, it's hard to get them the truth. Like, shout out to one of my guys. I don't know if y'all know Chandler Smith. He's big on like, uh, big on social media. And I tried to like, he was a 5-5 five, five running back. And he had his confidence was out of his world. And I was just like, man, I just and it wasn't a bad ego. He just was so confident. I was like, hey, I want you to know what this experience is going to be. They about to put you as a scout running back. You're going to have to get it out, literally get it out the mud. And he literally had to because his first practice in pads, Ed Oliver literally picked him up and threw him in mud. Um, and so Ed Oliver with the Bills, first round pick. Yeah. But he kept going. He kept going. And then it switched to where as, as he started getting exposure, he started getting insecure in his ability. And then I had to come back and build him up. And so that's interesting, too. You can kind of see that that switch where he can go from ego to insecure, insecure to ego. You just have to keep him, keep him like you said, or keep him in the middle. So, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. So I uh, did see one thing, man. I didn't know if it was active or where you are with it, man. But that read by Ed, man. What's what's going on with that, man? <laughs> like. Yeah. I, I like that spark. You know, it was funny because, like, you know, I'll, I've talked about doing a book club. Um, it's always good to kind of see what other people are reading, but you don't want the Amazon or the other kind of because they're right. they're looking to push a book. I want someone else to, that was real that read it and saying like, okay, how should you know? Does this apply to me? Should I pick that book up, man? So, read by Ed, man. Talk to us about it. So really excited about that. I got a book. My next one, this is why I'm so excited about June. The conference took up May. I'm, I'm proud of myself because in May, I said, you know what? Let me stop doing too much, right? Right. Uh, 
what I found out was in high school, I got laughed at. I was teaching freshmen, and this they asked me what my hobbies were. I was like, I just like football. I like watching film. And this girl in the class, she's like, man, you whack, man. And I was just like, it just kind of hurt. Like, I was like, dang, I really don't have no hobbies. And so, hey, like, but, 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 hey, teenagers can hurt your soul, man, by the way. She, and she was like, she she is literally, whatever y'all think she looked like is what she looked like. She's like, man, you whack, so whack, whack ass, so, you know, whatever. Like, oh, all right, all right, all right, chill out now. I, I still will fail you. Um, but uh, Regis, so right now, uh, reading Story Brand, uh, build a story brand, which is really good. I, I had it from the library, but I bought my own copy. And uh, I'm YouTube secrets. Like, I, I'm just reading a lot of stuff, like a lot of different stuff. I'm actually speaking of book club. This is crazy. Shout out to my guy, Drew Davis, who used to be the director of player development at UCLA. We are, I'm helping this book club. We're reading Kitchen Confidential by Anthony Bourdain. I, I put it at the local library. Shout out to public libraries. I got to go pick it up. It's on hold up. But just getting back to reading, man, it really helps me my brain, like reading and writing is like going back to who I was as a kid. I think so many times in football, that was one of the things I really, really learned coming out of like the pandemic helped me. And then when I got fired, it helped me like get back to who am I? Like I went all the way back to find out what my favorite color is, my favorite fonts are. But yeah, the red by man, I'm just trying to give somebody 60 seconds of a book. People ain't trying to sit there for two minutes, man. People got 60 seconds. I'm trying to give them three takeaways. Um, I used to do like six minute videos. Ain't nobody watching them, man. So I like, I'm learning to condense I got three takeaways here. My three takeaways of blah, 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 blah. Go get your copy. So, yeah. That's dope. Read, kids. Reading is fundamental. Yeah, I'm telling you. Sure. It, it, I see why. Or at least, or at least audiobook. <laughs> yeah. I, see, some people, I, I can do, it's crazy because I do podcasts, but I can't do audiobook. I can't because really? it's too much, too much to write. I'm stopping it, stopping it, stopping it. It's crazy, man. The more and more you read, the more and more you see why people didn't want our people to learn how to read. Mm. Hey, Jay the Kiss, want to keep something from it? Put them in the book. Yep. Put in the book. Yep. MH, you touched on a little bit about what you see the future of player development in this career path of how it can be linear, you know, in the next five years. Um, I, I do wonder with NIL and I guess player mobility, where I guess the relationship with players is uh, the window is a little smaller just with time because they can, you know, go to the places a little easier. And that's obviously in the professional game. How do you see that impacting the player development uh, role? I think you brought it up. Uh, you'll get a lot more insight from people at the pro level because they deal with transactions so much like people. Cause like three years ago, somebody worked for the bills. Like, man, I would love to be in your role because you actually get to see people three to four years. Well, that's not true anymore. He's like, people leave, but I still think it's important because I know for a fact, like everybody talks about recruiting, right? They'll say recruiting is the lifeblood of each team. And I think right now retention yeah. is the lifeblood of each team. Cause you honestly, in a sense, don't have to recruit if you got NIL squared away. If you got a company, whatever, and they're doing it, you, you don't have to recruit in a sense. But you got to retain these people. And so no matter what it is, the relationship, that 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 person or those people in the role might keep a kid in the school for three years. That might be max. Three years might be max. But that's better than nothing, right? And so uh, I think it's still valuable because I think a lot of kids – here's the thing. We, all, we both know this. Too many kids jump in the transfer portal, right? I'm not against the transfer portal. I'm not. But there are too many kids jumping in there. And so I think that if you have people who are building in who may say, hey, I know it's hard right now. I know you was the dude, you was the man, blah, blah, blah. But just just keep fighting, keep fighting. Now, there's different situations, right? My homeboy always tell me, man, Joe Burrow quit. 
on, on he couldn't compete. Nah, he saw that room. He knew it was up. He looked, he saw JT Barrett, Cardell Jones, Braxton Miller. You got to be smart. So I don't think it's that. But I think everybody's situation is not that. Like everybody's situation is not that. But I think also player development helps in the recruiting aspect because you're having honest conversations. So I would have honest conversations. My coach probably hated it. But I would tell kids, actually look at this program. Don't get caught up in the jerseys, the, what you're going to eat. Everybody's doing that. Look at what you're going to get as a person in each program. So even though the, the transfer portal stuff is not going to decrease, I still think there's a lot of value in the role because I think it can help retain players um, on the team. I like it. All right. So we're getting to the end, man. We're wrapping it up, man. Time flies. We have fun, all that good stuff. So this part of the show we like to call is uh, the assist or, you know, um, the hee <laughs> dropping that dime that dizzles. So what is a, a um, you know, a gym or the assist that you would really drop for either, you know, people looking to player development or something you would tell your younger self, but just, or, or maybe even like your life motto, man, just what is a, a, a little words to live by. Yeah. Ooh, that's, um, that's a good one. Uh, I, I would say when you invest in people, you invest in yourself. There's no greater return of investment than that. To me, honestly, like every time I've invested in someone, it's come back almost tenfold for me. And if it's, it's that time, if that's, you know, wherever it may be. Like, for instance, I, at Kansas, to your MH, to your earlier question, like, about programming, we created these groups during, you know, 2020. It was, man, there was a lot going on. And so I wanted the player's voice to be heard. And I was like, I'm going to sit back. I'm going to let them get it all out on social media. I'm going to give them two months. And then I'm going to bring them in and say, okay, what are we going to do about this, right? And by just letting them, asking them that, I grew, like, I grew exponentially. They was in there dropping dimes. They were like, we need to do this. I was like, man, hold on. I ain't never thought about that. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, they was like, we did we did 29 programs in four months because they were, they were just talking. And so investing that time in them and making sure they were heard helped me overall. So I think investing time in people, it just, it's going to come back. So there it is. it's tough because everybody, this is a doggy dog world and everybody's like, do you, do you, do you. But I truly believe that. I like it. So really quick, man, go ahead and drop all of the, where we can follow you, where we can see you, where where the info at, man, just so we can hear it for our visual audience. I mean, excuse me, for our listeners, man, but uh, definitely kind of drop some of that information. Okay, look at the ticker. There we go. Okay, yeah. Um, uh, I'm wherever the money resides. No, I'm just playing. Uh, okay, so <laughs> I keep it, the marketing piece of me, it all goes back to marketing. Everything's pretty much the same. Personally, it's Ed underscore Jones uh, to... Uh, beyond the field it's btf underscore program uh, i'm pretty act- i'm very active on linkedin that's probably my best like man linkedin is like well if you're not on linkedin man you missing out that's my biggest connector uh but that's where you can find me the website is www.program.com uh youtube channel the player development pod so not only like i said earlier i, I have pod episodes but i'm about to get into educational videos and so yeah, that's where you can find me. Just type in player development pod, player development program. Hopefully, I want to get to a point when you type in player development, you see this. There it is. <laughs> so, <yeah>. Absolutely. Hey, <laughs> MH, man, please, please hit us with some final thoughts, my man. Oh, yeah, man. Salute to you, man. This is uh, it's been a big time learning experience for EJ and I, and we appreciate your time and uh, much uh, success in all your future uh, goals and endeavors, man. You're doing it big. You're changing the game, man, so. Really appreciate you. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely, man. And, 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 you know, this doesn't have to be a one-time thing, man. So always want to have you on the show. Anytime you have something you need to drop, man, let us know how we can be a conduit, man. That's what this is about, man. Giving the people in sports that are making change and making things happen, man. That's all we said, interviewing the best in the game and you're one of them. So thank you. want to give you your flowers uh, uh, right now, man. So once again, everyone, thank our guest, man, Ed, you know, bringing in the heat and the fire. Uh, he threw some assists. <laughs> you know, he kept it live for us, man. And we want to thank you, the people, for listening, man. I hope you enjoyed this show and every episode that we drop. Uh, you know, we do a new episode every Thursday. So please, bing, hit that subscribe bell uh, on that YouTube. Please understand that visual representation is important, man. So if you see it, you can be it. Also, man, subscribe audio where anywhere that you listen to podcasts, man. You can say, hey, Alexa, play Black and Sports, and she's right there for you. So please stay safe, practice gratitude, and know we're rooting for you. Screaming. We got the sports and entertainment until we even. Assuming you're rooting for everybody in black. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Assuming I'm rooting for everybody in black. Yeah. 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 Look. Look, shoot me, I'm rooting for everybody that's black. Spat about two racks on handmade new rags. Shoot me, I'm rooting for everybody that's black. That's everybody from sports to college class to rap and back. <laughs>